tied for the most terrifying day of my life. I was what? Every other freaking day of my life. <laughs> How are you doing, you wonderful nerds? Scott here, and it is day six of the month of Monsters Scooby-Doo podcast. That's It's like a paw, like a dog's paw. Get it? I'm hilarious. <laughs> Uh, and, uh, if you, if for some reason you're jumping in here, the basic premise of this podcast is that I am watching Scooby-Doo 2 Monsters Unleashed 31 days in a row for some reason. Don't ask me why. Um, and each episode I'm having different guests on different interesting people who are my friends, most of whom I've met over the internet, including these people right here. Hi, everybody. Go ahead and introduce yourselves. Hey, I'm Chris. I run a podcast called Meddling Kids that I just took over from a friend of mine where we look at all the episodes of Scooby-Doo and all the movies, just kind of a little breakdown of it, and also another podcast called Play Comics. And I'm Kaylee, Chris's wife, and I'm on Meddling Kids with him, and every once in a while I appear on Play Comics. Fantastic. Thank you guys so much for uh, for joining in. It's going to be a fun time. Um, so really quickly, though, if if everyone's listening to this podcast, which is about Scooby-Doo, then if you want another podcast that will probably exist after this month, because this podcast won't, then go check out Medley Kids. What's that? Give, give everyone a little rundown of what that's like. So each week we... When I took it over from my friend, it was her doing episode recaps because there's only so much bouncing off of yourself you can do. So now that me and Kaylee are taking over, it's going to be a little more of us bouncing some wackiness off of each other and some crazy theories like, is Fred secretly a killer? (gasps) What? (laughs) That sounds incredible. We've had some crazy theories ourselves on the show so far, uh, and I've been loving every one of them. But my first question usually is... Have you got, and I suspect the answer is yes, but have you seen Scooby-Doo 2 Monsters Unleashed prior to me asking you to do so for this podcast? Actually, no. (gasps) Me either. Wait, really? You are the reason we had to watch this. I am shocked, but I'm very interested. What did you think? Tell me everything. I was actually surprised that I liked it. I'd heard so many bad things about it, and I wasn't hugely impressed with the first live-action Scooby-Doo, which is why I never saw the second one. And this one, it it just tied itself to the cartoons so well that it was kind of like watching an episode of the cartoons. It just looked a lot cornier because it was real people doing it. Chris, what about you? It's pretty much the same reasons for me. Um, I had kind of been away from Scooby for a little while, and so coming back into it, I was focusing more on the older cartoons and stuff and catching up with those. And th- I mean, the first one just didn't really do anything for me. And I hadn't heard too many good things about this one or any of the other newer stuff, really. So I just never got around to it. Uh, but I, you know, I've said this a lot over on this podcast but i love this movie more than i like the first one and we've had some guests that disagree with that well but i think thank you i think that this movie is really good like it's way i mean i don't know if i'd say really good but it's at least better than the first one i actually did go back and watch the first one i don't know why but in my head i was like i only want to watch the second one this month but for context i went back and i watched the first one it was it's fine you know wasn't amazing. 
I feel like this one kept the spirit of the original cartoons a lot better than the first one. I agree. It had so many. It was like a big tribute to to the the cartoons with using all the different monsters from the series and yeah yeah i loved it so much that was the first thing that caught me really yeah they're talking about the night and there's your first episode of scooby-doo where are you and they're talking about it as their first villain yeah and not only that but but wickles is like a big part of the script it's a big he's a big part of the story overall in this movie which is really really cool that they were able to take the first villain and just be like and here's extra stuff here's what happened kind of after he was caught and released from jail yeah that was just i think that's why i actually like this movie and i the first one was okay but Mm -hmm. I had no desire to watch any more live action Scooby Doo. But this one I I loved how much they used the actual cartoon and made it fit in with canon. Yeah, and it I don't know, to me, maybe you guys will tell me if you agree with this, but um it also just felt more cartoony than the first one in terms of not only just the homages to the cartoon itself, but the, the way that characters acted, the way that like physics worked, like there there were a lot of, there were a lot of like cartoon, cartoony vibes I got from this. Oh, definitely. Like the first one, part of the reason why I I like Scooby-Doo and I mean, okay, everybody knows why Shaggy and Scooby like to have their snacks. It's it's absolutely no secret. But in the cartoons, they don't just flat out and say that they're off smoking pot. <laughs> True. I, all right, hold on now, because this is my thing. I've never liked that interpretation of Shaggy. I don't think he's a stoner. I think he's just, I think he's just more like, he's just a hungry dude. Like, so I here's, know, here's yeah. the reason why I like the second movie a lot more, though. Yes. The cartoon doesn't flat out say it. Mm-hmm. The second movie doesn't flat out say it. Mm-hmm. Except for the one part where you've got his fans hanging out at the premiere of the that's museum. True. That's but that's like, cl- <laughs> okay, cool. That's your people that love you. That's You can't really yeah. do much about the people who love you. But the first movie just has so many little like, okay, let's kind of shove this in your face that we're going to officially make him a pothead. Like all the smoke coming out of the van when he and Scooby get out of it. Yep. That really bothered me. And I, 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 I'm with you. I don't like that interpretation. I, as a kid, always figured he was just hungry all the time. I was always hungry as a kid. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> he's just like a grown-up me. <laughs> yeah, I'm hungry right now as an adult. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, it's, yeah, that, that was something that was so heavy-handed in the first movie that they, and when I watched it again earlier, I was just like, okay, I get it. Like, you know, he meets Mary Jane and he's like, that's my favorite name. It's like, come on, man. I <laughs> Yeah, they're just too in your face about that. Yeah. Oh God! Uh, so, what else did you guys think? What else? What else stood out to you about Scooby Doo Two: Monsters Unleashed? It's important to say the full title, by the way. Just FYI. <laughs> and um, well, when they go back to their old hideout or their clubhouse, it looked an awful lot like the one from Pup Named Scooby Doo, and I always loved that show. Yes, I thought so too. It was. I, I love that. Uh, 
yeah that that again it's just kind of continuing to pay tribute to the the cartoons and i like the idea that they were like i guess had some sort of clubhouse or had you know they were doing detective stuff ever since they were kids and yeah i love that pup named scooby-doo i think was the cartoon that really sucked me into the scooby Dooniverse, as, <laughs> as I'm sure it's called. Um, no, because if I remember right, you're not too far off age-wise for me, so that timing seems right there. Because that's what it yeah. was for me too. Oh yeah, I mean, I I still caught reruns occasionally, and I really did. I liked a lot of the um, like the animated movies uh, from the '90s. Those are really fun, but Pup Named Scooby-Doo, there's just something about it. It's The, the formula is really fun. You know, you got Red Herring in there, who's always fun to kind of uh, see what he's up to. And yeah, All I don't right, know. So Kaylee can back me up on this. I spent the whole movie trying to find Red Herring. Isn't it disappointing that Seth Green wasn't Red Herring? I know. It would have been so perfect. <laughs> it would have been incredible. He was like, he was supposed to be a Red Herring, but like... Uh, they should have named him Red. They should have. <laughs> Unbelievable. What a missed opportunity. Exactly. The whole clubhouse thing, though, it does kind of throw a, off a little bit the the knight being the first villain because there were villains when they were little. So you've got to do a little bit of headcanon rewriting there. Ooh, I have a headcanon, but I, I, do you have one off the top of your headcanon? So my super simplest one is that they're just saying that the knight is either their first one when they were adults mm-hmm. after getting out of school, or it's their first one as officially forming Mystery Inc., Yes. Okay. So that was my idea is uh, because there were the other live action movies for that were made for TV that told like the origin of the team, the mystery begins or whatever. And they also didn't fight the or like unmask the Black Knight ghost. Um, So the headcanon I have, though, is if we're working with this pup named Scooby-Doo idea, a pup named Scooby-Doo, they're team was called the scooby-doo detective agency not mystery inc and so i think if the museum is about mystery inc then you could say that all of the childhood stuff was from when they were the scooby-doo detective agency and the black knight ghost was officially mystery inc kind of stuff i like that that fixes everything (laughs) (laughs) that's my head cannon and uh i hope everyone accepts it please write it in all the wikis uh scooby-doo wikis in fact if this podcast can do anything i just want to make sure that we add a bunch of my theories and head cannons and, and or guest <laughs> theories all add them all to the scooby-doo wikis please thank you <laughs> so one of my other fun little head cannons is that i like to imagine that actors all of their characters are the same person so i know because she's heard this way too often so we're sitting here in this movie and at the beginning and stuff, it's Buffy the Vampire Slayer versus Batgirl. <laughs> okay, yes. I'm on board immediately. <laughs> he would not stop going on about that. <laughs> it explains why Daphne seems to have really good fighting skills here, too. Because mm-hmm. that doesn't show up too much in the older cartoons. Because she's always getting kidnapped. Yes, that was the first movie. Yeah, they explained it in the first movie how she didn't want to be a damsel in distress, so she turned her body into a weapon. That's what. That's the line. Well, there was the episode with 
there was the Jekyll and Hyde episode where they just made her a stunt girl with absolutely no training. So obviously she has some kind of natural ability. Yeah, you'd think that Shaggy would, right? Because like I think the first episode uh, of Scooby-Doo, Where Are You? was uh, they, they talked about how Shaggy was like some sort of gymnast or something. It was very brief, and I don't think they ever went into it, but it was used once and talked about once. And then dropped for the rest of forever. (laughs) (laughs) But I still remember. (laughs) Oh, it's these little Claremontian plot threads that get pulled up whenever you need them. That's right. Mm -hmm. I I was waiting for a Matthew Lillard gymnastics scene. All I wanted was a gymnastics montage in this movie. That would have been awesome. We did get awesome Matthew Lillard and CGI Scooby dancing, though. Yeah, there there was a couple of that. So there was the faux ghost, right, is what I think you're referring to. Yep. Yes. That was pretty fun. But then there's another bit, which every time I watch this movie, there are a lot of, like, not great parts of this movie. But there's one specific part that I think is too much. And it's when... They find the clue, the sticky note for the faux ghost, and then Shaggy's like, we found a clue! And then they're like, do the clue dance, do the clue dance, and it goes on for like 20 seconds, and I'm like, stop, this is ridiculous, and I hate it, and it's, uh Yeah, that was definitely over the top. (laughs) It was. Uh, You know, props to Matthew Lillard for just giving it 200%, but like... Especially because who do you think he was dancing with when they were filming his part? Yeah. That's insane. <laughs> That's He's talented, and I love him. But also, maybe cut that when you're editing. Just yeah. cut, it, cut, it, cut it down a bit. That'd be good. Well, he how prob- about this part, too? How did they know that the clue is talking about that night and that it wasn't a note from last week? <laughs> See, I just chalk that up with fun Scooby-Doo humor. Where it's like, because they could have written a date on it. But the fact that they chose to write tonight was very funny to me. (laughs) I don't see that as a plot hole. I see that as a hilarious comedic decision. (laughs) I can work with that. (laughs) And it keeps them from dating the movie too much. That's true. Well, yeah. I mean, they could have said Thursday. Yeah, but how do you know it was this Thursday? See, I can throw that same logic back at you. (laughs) yeah chris logic burn (laughs) (laughs) i did like that though i thought it was i think i've been trying to pay attention to different characters uh as like a fun game that i play with every new walkthrough or (laughs) walkthrough watch through it does feel like i'm just strolling through this movie at the slowest pace but um i've been trying to pay attention to scooby a little bit more because like I, I come from the world of uh, like visual effects stuff. So I kind of like seeing all the work that artists and animators put into stuff. And so that was one reason, but also, you know, he's the, he's the character whose name is in the title. So like I should be focusing more on him and less on the human actors. I'll get to each of one of them in a different watch through, but uh, it's just fun to see how they animated him to be kind of like, this little innocent ball of happiness a lot of the time. Like during that scene when he just like has all those things that he thinks are clues and he's just so proud of himself. (laughs) It's just so charming. (laughs) Oh, I love that part. Just his whole collection of obviously not clues to us. And I wonder whether he thinks they were clues really 
but yeah. just the joy he has in having them. Yeah. It's such a puppy dog moment. It is. He's, like, He's such a good boy. It is. <laughs> I love it. That one and the moment when... I, I talked about this before, but I love it. It's, it's the moment where they ask him to start steering the mystery machine because... It, like they're all dragging out the back of it and he like slides over and kind of like slicks back his ears and like he acts he accidentally honks the horn and his like paws kind of come up to his face like he's really scared and it's just it's just so adorable and like, it really doesn't look bad for 2004 at all like, it doesn't like a there lot are... of things from around that era just you can tell they're old you can tell they're fake mm-hmm. this one isn't that bad now there are a couple cgi things that are terrible in this that i don't think hold up very well at all i think that there were some things that definitely looked like they were stop motion oh yeah oh for sure i the the one we'll get back to that but i think the one the one for me is i think they were way too ambitious with trying to do the tar monster like on the they had they had like six different monsters and they're just like, let's do the one that's like not only completely CGI, but is one of the hardest CGI. Like liquid is such a hard thing to make look real in a scene. They're like, yes, let's do it. And uh, they committed. And I got to tell you, not my favorite part of the movie. Uh, but yeah. So what were the, what were the things Going back to the stop motion thing, let's talk more about that. What was what what is that in reference to? Um it was toward the beginning of the movie when they were I think at the opening of the museum. I want to say it was when the pterodactyl came in and just the way it was moving, it looked like stop motion animation. It it and not even very good stop motion. It was very um stuttered the way it moved. Yeah. I think animatronics could have pulled it off better than whatever they did. Yeah. You know, they they had props to them for using practical effects where they could. Like the Black Knight ghost looked really cool in a lot of scenes, I yeah. thought anyway. Yeah. Like he the, made me laugh. <laughs> yeah, he was fun in the way that his, his helmet his eyebrows. was. Yes, right? <laughs> I love those little helmet eyebrows. That was the best. <laughs> I don't even think they were there. I have to care. I have to go back and rewatch it to make sure. I wonder when I'm going to be able to do that. Um, but I have to, I don't think they were, when they were, it was just displayed in the museum. I don't think he had those little eyebrows. I think that was only when he came to life that, that it was like, and eyebrows. <laughs> but they're just so cute. <laughs> they're adorable. They give him so much personality in life. And I, I love whoever did these like costume designs for this yes. movie. It's so good. Wait, so sorry. This is a question that popped into my head. So you guys both saw the first one, right? Yes. Yeah. It's a, a long, really long time, time ago. But a yes. long time ago. So you haven't seen it recently then? No. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. I think there's a lot of stuff. I, I feel like... Maybe correct me if I'm wrong here, but the the two movies just don't feel connected in any way, shape, or form. Like when you were watching this, did you ever think to yourself, "Boy, I really need a refresher on that first movie"? Definitely not. It felt like this one was going off of the cartoons and was completely ignoring the other movie. Yeah. It's just it's not a it, it's a weird way for them to build a franchise when like it they don't feel connected at all. Yeah, it's, I def. I mean, I don't miss Scrappy. I'll just yeah. say it. I'm, I'm sure that at least 28 of your other dick guests are going to say the same thing. 
You know what's funny is we've actually had, I think, two people, at least two people so far, who have said that they preferred Scrappy, like his whole thing in the first really? movie. Yeah, I don't get it either. I think they're all wrong and terrible. And I will never talk to them again. (laughs) I I like him being the bad guy. That was like the best That part's cool. Yeah. (laughs) And I was definitely kind of sitting around waiting for when he was going to show up, even as just a little throwaway line thing. Yeah. So honestly, I'm a a tiniest bit disappointed that they didn't do anything, but I'm not going to hold it against them that they didn't. Yeah. I think... (sighs) Sorry to everyone, it's like day six, and I'm like repeating a lot of stuff, but that's okay, because I put that in the day zero thing, that you would hear me repeat stuff, but that's, whatever, you knew what you were getting into, (laughs) but, like, I think that the first movie was the wrong time to introduce Scrappy, because we didn't even under, we didn't get to know the rest of the gang first, like, this movie did a better job, I think, establishing who the gang is, and their history, and their, uh, their prominence of being mystery solvers and then the second or the see i even refer to the first movie as the (laughs) second movie because i think they're out of order but like i i think this when you that's you introduce scrappy later you get you let us know who the gang is you give them their own solo thing you introduce other side characters from the scooby-doo lore after you've already established five characters who are the main core of the cast what do you think am i crazy no, you're totally right. And he wasn't introduced in the cartoons until after the series had started kind of failing. They added him in to bring it back to life because they needed to change their formula because it was just too formulaic and people weren't watching anymore. And you and ready for the crazy part? Go it for it. It worked. It worked. Give me some history. Get Teach me everything about everything. <laughs> okay, so not quite everything. But when Scooby, or wow, when Scrappy was brought on, he was that little jolt of extra newness that people could bring in. It he was, was the cousin a, Oliver, except he was a good cousin Oliver. <laughs> Fair enough. Like, like he was a good jumping on point for people who hadn't come in because here's this new character that has to learn things and you can have that horrible trope of having to explain things to a character who should know better. Instead, you're explaining things to Scrappy who's new. So there's an actual reason to explain things to him. That makes sense. Yeah, it's like it's it's a way it's like the surrogate the audience uh, can get information from because like, yeah, when you're jumping into Scooby-Doo for the first time, you're just like all of these characters already know each other and they're like they're solving mysteries as if they've done it already. And like you're just kind of showing up in the middle of just an average kind of day for them. But with, with av- having a character like Scrappy around, yeah, that makes a ton of sense to just allow people to soak in a little bit more context of what's going on. He brought a bunch of new life to the series. He essentially saved it back when oh, he came man. on. And then it was kind of the Wolverine in the 90s problem, and they tried to pop him everywhere, spin him off into his own thing. And they kept trying to get rid of the original characters, like one at a time. They would just not have them in there and focus on scrappy instead and he got really annoying (laughs) (laughs) yeah you know i don't remember being the biggest fan of scrappy i haven't seen too much of uh scrappy because mostly just because i don't know i feel like it hit me at a point where like 
I guess I was just influenced by other people to not like Scrappy. So like I've purposely avoided a lot of Scrappy media. So I feel like I'm a bit biased there. Maybe I need to go dive in and pay pay tribute to a person who saved Scooby-Doo and is allowing me to suffer for 31 days. Thank you, Scrappy. <laughs> yeah, because I feel like most of us were something either like that or got into the cartoon when Scrappy was on kind of the tailspin of his being there. So we were seeing the bad stuff and not seeing him in the context of saving this franchise. Well, I used to watch any Scooby-Doo that came on TV ever. And sometimes that would be the ones with Scrappy and I never liked him anyway. And it might've partly been because my mom hated him, (laughs) but he was also just really annoying. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I I think there was a part of me growing up where when I was watching um, Scooby-Doo cartoons, I just really preferred the ones with the with just the classic gang, whether, you know, it just had to have at least all five of them and hopefully nobody else. And those were the ones that I would enjoy. So really just where are you? And I loved um, around the time when I was getting older, there was uh, what's new. Scooby-Doo was another great one. And of mm-hmm. course, pup, a pup named Scooby-Doo again, it had just like the, the classic characters aged down a little bit. Um, but yeah, I don't know. There's something about that team dynamic that spoke to me more than like throwing in a new character or taking out a, a few characters to create a different kind of dynamic. Yeah. Cause I think the team construction is pretty much perfect you've got scooby and shaggy to get everybody into trouble Mm -hmm. you've got fred to be the reason for everybody to be where they are you've got daphne to be your MacGuffin for them to have to go in and get into all kinds of zany antics and then you've got velma to come around and solve everything that's right. And I loved Velma in, we're talking so much about a pup named Scooby-Doo. I just want to do a podcast about <laughs> that now. But like, I loved Velma in a pup named Scooby-Doo because like, she not only like, I don't know, she was like more mysterious and like put everything together before anyone else did. It was kind of like, at least in the beginning episodes, it was a big deal when like she even spoke because everyone else was talking all the time and Velma would only speak when there was a clue or when she was solving the mystery. And it just, I don't know, it made her character... Um, different from the other interpretations, but interesting still, I think. Yeah. Plus she had like a briefcase with a computer in it, which was like, I mean, that's like- So cool. <laughs> OG, like personal computer laptop sort of stuff. That's, I love it. Yeah. Oh God. Uh, yeah, I love, I mean, look, here's the thing about doing this podcast that I'm enjoying so far is we start with the context of Scooby-Doo 2 Monsters Unleashed. But we just kind of go in the general vein of of Scooby Doo, which is very fun for me, because uh, I, you know, I get to talk a lot about comics and superheroes, but I feel like I don't get to talk a lot about Scooby Doo on the internet, and that's so. Even if the price I pay is that I have to watch the same movie. For th- and like I, I did this to myself like I could have just started a Scooby-Doo podcast but I didn't <laughs> I chose this I picked my path <laughs> one day we might understand why you did that <laughs> I don't even I think I just wanted a Scooby-Doo podcast with like an interesting gimmick and uh, here we are we'll see how long it lasts <laughs> well I, I know how long it lasts exactly 31 days so <laughs> And then you get a break. <laughs> and then I get a break forever. 
<laughs> unless unless people want me to do it again next year, in which case, no. <laughs> but let's jump back, Scooby-Doo 2, Monsters Unleashed. Is there anything else that stood out to you guys? Anything noteworthy that caught your attention? See, I really liked... Normally, I hate scenes where, oh, yes, the character we're talking about is around the corner and overhears us because it just seems so contrived. This seems like a supernatural thing to be happening for Scooby-Doo, partly because of the whole this is basically a cartoon aspect of it, but mostly because I can totally see Shaggy and Scooby just sitting down in the kitchen (coughs) for some weird reason Mm -hmm. and the other people legitimately not knowing what's going on. I felt so bad for them, though. They looked so sad. Yeah, yeah. So, you're, yeah, you're talking about when everyone was uh, talking about how they couldn't tie the ropes on the uh, pterodactyl ghost. And Fred was like, it's all of our faults. You know how Shaggy and Scooby can be. And they were like, we're screw ups. So Poor I, guys. I know. It's, it's very sad. Um, and it's... It was an interesting way for them to get a, a little arc of their own because they they are kind of the the quote unquote screw ups of the show. Like you were talking about, it's it's them to get everyone else in trouble a little bit, and it's it's them kind of pushing the plot forward accidentally in interesting ways. Uh, but I will say about that same scene, the th- one comedic bit that I keep forgetting to talk about on these episodes is when Shaggy's giving Scooby the little oath. Um, that they were doing and Scooby does not even try to get the (laughs) words right. And I loved that. I like, there's something about it when Shaggy's like, repeat after me. And like, he does the whole thing and Scooby's like, (laughs) (laughs) and it's so lazy, but it's so adorable. And I love it. It really is. It just seems so perfectly in character for Scooby. It is. It's yeah, it's so perfect. And like he they're playing on a trope of like because like even the first movie had uh, a scene where they were uh, trying to run away. And Scooby was like, Rikes. And Shaggy's like, you know, man, like, yikes. It's like, no, Rikes. And he was talking about bikes that he found to get away. So it's like the movies understand the idea that people might have a hard time understanding Scooby and they just play it in like different ways that are very interesting. Uh, and I just, I don't know. There's something really funny about just lazily being like, rah, rah, spectacular. <laughs> So one of the other things I really liked, too, was that despite the fact that everybody kind of unanimously decided that those two are just total screw ups, Mm -hmm. everything ended up in their hands at the end. Yeah. Yeah. Velma decided to trust them at the end and then almost immediately regretted it. But she at least trusted them for a little bit. And honestly, if you watch all the cartoons and stuff, half the time their screw ups involve actually catching the bad guy whatever they do ends up trapping them better than whatever trap was actually set up yeah and the credit to the first movie again sorry i keep going back to it because i know you guys haven't seen it in a while but the first movie played up that idea of them setting up traps and the traps going badly but it's still working out in the end which is one of my favorite bits of scooby-doo when they go through these elaborate setups and it doesn't work but it's still manages to catch the monster in the end through some 
just insane luck. Um, and I love that. And this movie didn't quite do that. They, they did put their trust in Shaggy and Scooby. Um, but there were no traps to be had. Uh, the, the, the final villain, the evil masked figure who doesn't even get a name. Um, it just falls and is like caught in like the little grating thing. Uh, and that's it. That's how they caught the villain. The end. Yeah, they definitely could have had more of the trap set up or something. Just because <laughs> that is a big part of it. <laughs> yeah, and can I ask your opinions? Because I, I I haven't asked too many people this, but I love the modern day Fred, where he is just obsessed with traps. That is one of the funniest things to me. And yeah, I I don't know if I'm alone in that. Oh no. Trap setting Fred is amazing. <laughs> okay, great. He's <laughs> way so more entertaining and has more of a personality <laughs> than original oh, Fred. I'm so happy you said that. I, yeah, I was worried that it would be the one thing that like everyone else would be like, no, that's the dumbest. Fred should just be like the, the rock of the team. And I'm like, no, man, he's hilarious when all he cares about are different traps. And he's like, he, he, I don't know. It makes him more interesting that he has a very specific avenue of uh, on the team that he he knows everything about like the types of nets and whatnot. I'm not going to go so far as to say more interesting because I like to watch the old ones as what is Fred doing to try to sabotage the team so that they can go check out with this ghost is driving off of bridges in a movie lot or, Hey, let's go randomly check out this haunted looking house on the side of the road that we have no business going to. Yeah. I like looking at that Fred as, okay, here's the moment where you became a serial killer. (laughs) <laughs> you're really hammering in on this theory i see <laughs> i really love this theory he really does is there all right is it something that you can talk about or are you saving it or have you already saved it for oh we what? we can talk about it it's something that steven and julie started when they started up bedling kids and mm-hmm. i kind of latched onto it because i think it's amazing and it's just it gives part of why i did it was because it gave me a new way to look at the cartoons so it's okay, you know, here's Fred being dumb. At first it was always okay, he's just this totally incompetent guy. Why are they letting him be in charge? But now I look at it as okay, here's this guy that's probably brainwashed these people a little bit, has some blackmail on him. That is his reasoning for being able to stay in charge. Because let's be real, Velma should be in charge of the team. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I've always liked the idea that that especially mod- modern Scooby-Doo, it feels to me like Daphne is the real leader, but she just pretends to let Fred be in charge, like for his ego. But really, she's like, oh, oh, Freddy. Oh, okay. Yeah, I get kind of the same vibe from it. And this Fred, the one who's obsessed with traps, seems a little bit smarter than old Fred, but he's so obsessed that he forgets to pay attention to the actually <laughs> important stuff, <laughs> which that leads to true. some fun things. <laughs> Oh, it sure does. I'm trying to think of how we can look at Scooby-Doo 2 Monsters Unleashed in the context of Fred being a serial killer. Were, were, were there things where you were watching that lined up with this theory at all? There wasn't so much with this one, and part of it was because I hadn't seen the movie before, so I don't like looking for those things until at least the second time oh, through. I gotcha. I have a suggestion. Start a podcast where you have to watch it constantly. And then they start, 
then you'll have you'll start picking up on things because I'm thinking now that that's a new interesting context that I think I'll come back to when I watch it maybe tomorrow um, and I will try to see if I can continue to formulate this theory of uh, <laughs> Fred being a serial killer that is very fun to me because I feel like out of all the characters he was the one that well, maybe him and Daphne didn't get as much character development in this movie uh, Velma had her whole thing with Patrick and 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 trying to figure that out. Shaggy and Scooby had all their stuff about being screw ups. Fred's whole thing was just that he was he kept being an idiot on camera. Yeah, was, was that all it was? That's all I really got out of it. He was just kind of there. Yeah. And at first, that wasn't even really his fault, because I can totally understand them taking that first time when he just says, Coolsville doesn't need us Yeah, in his positive way. And then that gets edited to be him being a, a jerk. Mm-hmm. That makes total sense. Okay. Somebody falls for that. Not a big deal. But then he does it again and again. Yeah. He should have it- just said no comment. Yeah, exactly. Da- Daphne was there from moment one where she was like, don't talk to the press, period. Like, they're, they're like, can we get a word from Coolsville's hottest detectives? And Fred was like, absolutely. And Daphne was like, well, that's your word. And that was it. And so she was constantly trying to tell him, don't talk, don't talk, don't talk. And what does he do? He talks and he screws it all up. Yep. That seems like the whole reason for him to be there. <laughs> I mean, he drove the van a couple times. That was pretty cool. Good job. Yeah. Somebody had to be dumb to pull the doorbell again. Yeah. You're not wrong. Shaggy was so much smarter than him in that scene. <laughs> Proves right there that Shaggy's not the screw up. <laughs> pretty sure Fred is. Yeah, I almost feel like everything, like literally everything Fred tried to do screwed up because even after that, he went to go fight the Black Knight ghost and he's like, bring it. And he immediately gets destroyed. And then Daphne goes on to fight in a really cool fight scene. So like literally every Fred is the screw up. You're absolutely right about that. That whole plot thread should have been for Fred, not Shaggy (laughs) and Scooby. How dare he be like, you know how they get. They're all screw ups. Come on, Fred. Look in a mirror, Fred. (laughs) Unbelievable. That, That would have been amazing. I don't know why I never thought of that because then you have, I thought I was their leader. This is what they think of me. And then he just spirals out of control. Yeah. Oh my God. I would love that if, if that's how the movie went. Like, yeah, he thinks that he's this big macho tough guy who like is good at everything and everything he does is turns out to be a mistake. And that's maybe that's what leads him to like kind of hyper focus on traps. And he's like, well, then I'm just going to commit all of my time and energy to learning this one facet of monster catching. And I will be the best that there is at this one specific niche. And, uh, and of course he's, he's still an idiot. So are you ready? (laughs) Scooby-Doo three fishing for the truth. (laughs) And he's keeps trying to pin everything on red hair on red hair. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Oh my God. Somebody in Hollywood make this happen. I think we just solved Scooby-Doo. <laughs> you solved the Scooby-Doo live-action <laughs> franchise. Congratulations. <laughs> oh, that's incredible. I love that so much. 
And it's just, I, well, here's the thing though. If they're going to release it in a modern era, then we're probably going to have like digital exclusives for like YouTube or something like that. And can, I just want like a full, like 20 minute uncut, unedited sequence of Fred, whoever the actor is, maybe they can get Freddie Prince Jr. back. Maybe it takes place in the same timeline, just in the future a bit. But regardless, I just want a full unedited thing where it's just Fred talking genuinely about types of nets it's just on youtube and it's earnest and it's sincere and it's passionate and it is not in the movie at all but it's just a fun little side thing and i would love it that would be priceless and a great way for them to advertise it would be so funny (laughs) it would somebody in hollywood i don't know who owns the rights please make this happen i have some casting choices if you wanted to go the animated route for voice actors (gasps) we can make this work hold on yes let's dive into that a little bit who do you because i've been trying to think of if about who i would recast and i just don't know actors apparently but what who would you do okay so matthew lillard has to stay as scooby because or Shaggy, right? Yeah, Shaggy. Yeah. Sorry, because Matthew Lillard has to say as Shaggy because you just have the super constant voice actor for Shaggy, and I feel like that's something you can't really mess with. Yes. Well, if we're going the cartoon route, Frank Welker has been Fred since the '60s, so that's right. I mean, I feel like if we're just going the cartoon route, let's just get like the cartoon actors who are really yeah. <laughs> who've been doing it for ages. We would they have don't to change get in- very often at all. <laughs> no. We can't go original Daphne because unfortunately she's dead. But Grey Delisle has been Daphne for years and years, Chris. So that can work. And she's great and I love her. And then I think the biggest decision would be the, of like the modern day Velma's. Would it be Mindy Cohn or Kate McCucci? I don't know. Either or is good. I love oh. Velma, but I can't pick a favorite. <laughs> I'd want Kate Micucci because then we can bring in the ukulele. And I don't know how it would be relevant. I just really want it to happen. <laughs> <laughs> Velma with a ukulele. That's pretty fun. Because she's got to have some secret little thing that she thinks is too weird for everybody else to know about. <laughs> it would and secretly th- be a ukulele. A ukulele player. Why I would not? love it. You know what? I agree with you. I think I think Velma needs a little bit more s- secret life going on, like something outside of mysteries that she does. Maybe it's not even intentionally a secret. Maybe just no one in the gang asked her about it. And she's like, I would have told you. I, this, I love doing this, but no one ever asks Velma anything. And music, the, the part of your brain that deals with playing musical instruments is the same part that deals with math and science. So it would go with her being smart. Look at that. We're already making logical connections, and I feel like Velma would appreciate that. <laughs> and obviously, Frank Welker is going to do Scooby as well. Oh, because, of course. I mean, Frank Welker already voices everything in the entire world. <laughs> Especially animals. <laughs> uh, he's incredible. Yeah, absolutely. Have to get him on board. I mean, yeah. Why mess with perfection with all these cartoon voice actors they're great let's just do a movie with them would it be 2d animated or would it be the full like cgi kind of thing like 3d animated i'd prefer 2d i know it probably won't happen because for some reason that's just seen as childish but i think it just fits so well some of their newer cartoons like mystery inc was Definitely not for little kids. Like, it got pretty scary and had real story arcs and stuff. And 
that was 2D and definitely not childish at all. And it pulled in all kinds of, like, Cthulhu and all yeah. kinds of <laughs> yeah, stuff like that. Lovecraftian stuff. <laughs> yeah. I will. I will say there was also an announcement very uh, fairly recently about um, Batman and Mask of the Phantasm coming back to theaters. So oh, really? I feel like yes. So I feel like there's at least a core. May, we'll see how that does, and I feel like it'll do pretty good. But I, I feel like there's at least a core audience who would love to watch 2D cartoons in a theater still. Like we I talk hope about, it does yeah. well. Yeah, I, really I hope do. so too. And I hope it's not just like the studio seeing it as here's the thing that people already love. So they're just going to see it in a way they couldn't see it before. Mm-hmm. But that'll never work on a new thing. Yeah. Because they're uh, wrong. Yeah. It will. Uh, see, now that you put that in my head, I feel like that's exactly what they're, they're the cynical part of me is thinking, let's just do this because it, we are it's already made and we're just going to make money from doing this you know like it, i doubt it'll be something that they learn a lesson from other than like well we made this ages ago we can just re-release it and make more money and but then I, the end i do feel like there are a lot of us who kind of miss the 2d animation because everything including like disney princess movies have gone to 3d everything's computer animated and sometimes i just miss the old look of cartoons that were actually cartoons yeah i i mean i love both 2d and 3d animated stuff like a lot of the um 3d animated stuff gets really gorgeous and and beautiful but i think the problem not the problem but a, a, a thing that i've noticed with a lot of 3d animation is they will try to render the environments hyper realistically but the characters cartoonishly uh which is a, a fun aesthetic um but there's something really cool about 2D animation where it doesn't make sense to do hyper-realistic backgrounds. It only makes sense to like keep it stylized in the same vein of, of the cartoon, and it just adds an extra layer of flavor and style on top of it, which I think is interesting. But yeah, I feel like we went all over the place, which is good for me. Uh, I, normally, I just sit here and talk about the same like 10 <laughs> things about this movie, but thank you guys for breaking me out of... Uh, out of my habits already. <laughs> I appreciate I'm glad it. we could. I'm really glad we could do that for you because I mean, this is day six. You've all. I know that I don't like listening to the same podcast episode. I barely like editing mine, <laughs> so I can't imagine you having to talk to 31 different sets of people and hit the same points over and over and over. Because I'm sure well, I'm not the only person that's gonna not listen to anything before they record with you. <laughs> no, and I, I I want it to be that way. Because ideally, I think for me, the interesting part is getting other people's perspectives while also listening to me slowly slipping into madness uh, <laughs> over the course of a month. We'll see how this goes. Uh, like like I said, we're only on day six, but already I just want to say a huge thanks to everyone who's been listening. We crossed uh, 2,000 downloads today already, which has been awesome um so thank you to everyone especially because i don't feel like i've been promoting it in the best smartest ways like i haven't made a video about it on my youtube channel with lots of people watching um but the fact that there's so many people out there who are wanting to for some reason subject themselves to this uh lunacy i just want to say thanks so much and thanks to all the great reviews that we've been having as well i don't i haven't asked too many people to do reviews i don't think but if you're listening right now leave us a review on itunes i'd appreciate it maybe i'll read some on future episodes uh that make me laugh and make me smile 
But yeah, thank you guys so much for joining. Uh, I don't know if, if there's anything else you wanted to say before we wrap up or if we just wanted to call it a call it a day here. No, I think for me, it's just that if you were turned off by the first movie, watch this one anyway. It's so much better. You can completely forget the first movie exists and just pretend this is the first one and you'll be fine. Yes, I agree. <laughs> Where can people find you on the internet if they want to hear more of your voices and your thoughts? Oh my god, that was so weird. It sounded like you were copying my line. <laughs> yes, well, uh, all I can... do is copy in your footsteps. <laughs> I can't blame you at all. Chris, <laughs> I, really? Hey, wait, I had... join me on my next podcast where I talk about video games that were made into comics. It's just reversed. <laughs> I'll talk to you about that later, actually. No, so... If you want to hear more of a, me and Kaylee together, then you can catch us on Meddling Kids over at meddlingkidspod.com, where we look at Scooby-Doo in a episode-by-episode episode or made-for-TV movie or whatever by made-for-TV movie. As of recording this, we're in the middle of doing the the new Scooby-Doo movies, which are the ones that were an hour long, but they brought in Batman and the Harlem Globetrotters and all kinds of pop culture figures that I don't know who half of them are because there were seventies TV stars that didn't age well. Incredible. I've seen, those are some of the only ones like I, the, the two that you mentioned, Batman and Harlem Globetrotters. Those are like the only two that I I've definitely seen. I don't think I've seen any of the other ones. The Adams family one was pretty good. Oh, I didn't even know they did that. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. There's definitely some good ones mixed in there. And then, you know, as the series progresses, we'll get to Scrappy and some of the newer series and keep things going up until the point where we would have to review Scooby-Doo the day after it comes out. Oh, you got to get into the Be Cool Scooby-Doo. Oh, we'll get there. <laughs> Eventually. <laughs> Eventually. And is the, the podcasts are available, I know, on, well, what platforms? You, how about you say that? Because I don't want to guess and be wrong. You can find it on iTunes and Spotify and all your normal finding of your favorite podcasts to listen to places. Fantastic. Uh, well, cool. Thank you guys so much for joining. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having us. Yeah, it's always great to get to talk to you again, especially something where we get to talk to you about something you don't talk to people about all the time. Yeah, thank you so much. Would you guys like to join me as we shout our best scooby dooby doo <laughs> Sure. Yeah? Oh, yeah. All right, let's do it. Scooby-Doo! Scooby-Doo!